Welcome to the Breaking the Startups podcast, where we feature stories of people from non-traditional backgrounds that broke into tech. On today's episode, we sit down with Edgar, who is a veteran and a software engineer at Amazon Music. Edgar read a book about Steve Jobs while he was deployed in Iraq, which planted a seed that led him to learn how to code and eventually become a software engineer. On today's episode, we discuss how his passion for music led him to Amazon, how he dealt with failure and rejection as he was breaking into a new field, and the parallels between a coding bootcamp and an army bootcamp from a perspective of a veteran. Check it out. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10x. Yo, 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 this is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Arch and Timor Meister, and this is the Breaking the Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah, so today we're sitting at Telegraph Academy with a very special guest. It's Sunday morning, so there's a lot of people who are still waking up, but we're sitting here about how to break into startups. Arthur, uh, tell us about the guest. Yeah, so today we have Edgar Pabon, who is a software engineer at Amazon Music. And uh, he has a very interesting story of uh, being in the military for six years and also being a rapper. And he's done a lot of interesting adventures along the way. So before we jump in, Edgar, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of where you got your start? Yeah, so uh, I'm originally from the Bronx in New York, pretty much uh, born and raised there. Like you mentioned, I used to be a, uh, well, pretty much like during college, I had for a time tried to be a rapper for a number of years. Eventually went back to college, graduated, uh, joined the military, and uh, served in a number of places over the years. And pretty much after I got out, I decided that I wanted to become a software engineer and pretty much made that journey over the last. Yeah, that's awesome. So before we jump into the whole journey, tell us a little bit more about kind of what got you on the path to uh, kind of enrolling to the military and kind of take us back to the moment and tell us like what you were looking like, what was the motivation there? Yeah. so. I actually joined the military in my last year of college. So at the time, when I first started looking into it, there was a semester where I thought I wasn't, I had a financial aid pretty much like hiccup. And it looked like for a moment that I wasn't going to be able to finish paying for college. And so at the time, I remember I started to do research into options for ways I could, you know, finish paying for school. And obviously the military is like one of those ways that that comes about. Now, at the time, the situation ended up working itself out. But I had started looking into the military because of that. And around that same time, I had a uh, number of friends that had already graduated from college. They had started working and I would just talk to them about their jobs and, and what was going on with their lives and everything. And it just struck me that a lot of people were fairly unhappy with what they were doing after college. And it seemed like I remember thinking I didn't want to end up graduating and go do a job that didn't really have a lot of meaning to me. And so, you know, when I started looking into the military, I thought I really just wanted to be a part of an organization that would have a lot of meaning, would allow me to have a chance to, to have an impact and to be part of something that was larger than myself. And I also remember thinking that I wanted to travel. I lived in New York most of my life at that point, and I definitely mm-hmm. wanted to see different places in the world. So that was a big motivation for me as well. Got it. So so related to that that military decision and not doing what you wanted to do, like what did you actually study in, in college? Take us to your childhood, like kind of what led you to be a rapper? Like what what did you study while you, what were you passionate about in high school? 
So I ended up getting a, a degree in communications with rapping or songwriting. It was something that I started doing in high school. At the time, it was at least with rapping, that was kind of like a joke thing. Like my, I had a really good friend of mine. We would uh, record these like songs on like, he, he had like a boom box at the time. And it was one of those things where you could insert like a cassette tape and he would have an instrumental or something. And he would have like a mic basically set up with this boom box and have like another cassette tape and another slot where he would record a song. So he would start playing the thing and we would like record a song basically like over this like instrumental and we just used to do these like fun songs, you know, every now and then. But it wasn't anything I took seriously. And pretty much, this is sort of a longer story here. But when I was in my first year at college, the summer right before my sophomore year, I had a basically like a run in with the uh, with the police where to make a very long story short, I ended up getting run out of a neighborhood that was predominantly white. My friends and I simply for, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time or whatever by a couple cops and the entire issue just, or the entire incident just, I remember rubbed me completely the wrong way, you know? And I really didn't feel like I had a good outlet to voice that frustration over time. And then it was really at that moment that I started one night, I just like picked up, you know, a pen and I just like had to write it down and I started writing it down and I ended up writing this like slam poetry piece. And really like from that, I started writing a lot more and started doing, moving into to rap seriously. Got it. Got it. And so, that kind of led led into your interest in communication. It sounds like you did maybe some poetry stuff while you were in high school and things like that. Yeah. And so, you know, when, how was the experience in the military? Was it everything that you wanted to do or what you wanted to be? And how did that transition happen? Yeah. So the transition to the military, I think, was initially kind of rough. <laughs> it certainly isn't easy. So I did ROTC at the in the last year of my college as well. And I think that helped like prepare me for just going into active duty and going to basic training. But this was, so I did the year of ROTC and I did it before going to basic training. And I pretty much, I went to basic training right after I graduated from college. And to go into an environment where suddenly, you know, everything is taken away from you, you have no real privileges anymore. And you're just pretty much like on lockdown 24 seven and you just have to obey or, you know, face the consequences. It's a hell of a transition to go through. So, like, I know you graduated from college. Did you do communications while you were in the military? Did you apply to any communications jobs? It sounds like. Well, no, not exactly. So I originally entered the military and on the enlisted side and was a truck driver. And so I did that in the reserves, actually, for about two and a half years. Pretty much like after that point, I decided that I wanted to go active duty and become an officer. And so I pretty much got transitioned to active duty. I got accepted to officer candidate school. And went to officer candidate school. I ended up getting a job specialty in uh, the armor branch, which pretty much means that you, as an armor officer, you end up working with tanks or with scout units. So you're trained basically in like both specialties. So I ended up pretty much working with uh, both types of units over my time in active duty. Got it. And so, um, you know, what led you to, you know, want to go from communications to armor things in the military to wanting to get into, into tech. Yeah. So, uh, well, I don't know if communications had a direct relation to what I wanted to do in the military, but I just was fascinated, honestly, by, <laughs> by tanks and by armor in particular. So I really love the idea of being a scout. And by that, I mean, so the job of a scout is basically to gather information. And so your main job is to go out onto enemy lines 
try to remain undetected and basically gather information about enemy units or about anything along the way that might be useful for, you know, follow-on forces to know about. So, I mean, that could even be just like minor things like road conditions and like how many vehicles can fit through a certain pass or, you know, things like that. You're basically just gathering information. And I sort of liked that aspect when I was like thinking about, you know, which job specialty I could do. Awesome. So kind of, so you're in the military. What kind of inspired you? I guess when you were coming to the, to the end of your uh, service, were you considering tech seriously or like what led you to uh, considering that as a serious career option once you finished service? So I was really interested in the tech industry for a long time. So even while I was in, I would always really be reading books and following the industry pretty much like as much as I could. So, you know, even back then I read or I used to visit sites like TechCrunch all the time and, and things like that. I remember distinctly being in one of my training schools uh, in the military and reading like the Steve Jobs biography. And while everybody else was reading about like military history or something, I was like the one guy just kind of sitting off and reading about Steve Jobs or computers or whatever. I uh, pretty much knew towards the end of my time that I was going to become a software engineer, or at least I knew that I wanted to get into tech in some kind of way eventually, like once I had transitioned out. And so pretty much like in my last year, I had this idea for a website to build like an e-commerce site targeted to military personnel. and. This was a thing that, you know, I decided to get up and running. I didn't really know much about programming. And so I ended up getting the site running using a platform called Shopify, which makes it like really easy pretty much to get an e-commerce site set up. And I did that. And while running the site, I basically realized that I wanted to increasingly keep like customizing certain features on the site. But to do that, you had to know more about like programming and things like that. So that's kind of what eventually led me to start looking into online resources and trying to figure out like how to program and and learn more about that and so yeah so th- that sounds like an awesome experience how you actually applied your kind of you were interested in tech you picked an idea you built a website and then you were customizing it yourself so when you were uh, figuring out different kind of the next path do you consider going back to like a four-year degree major in computer science or do like some boot camps or something else right so i started really thinking about going back to school and studying computer science. It was something that certainly interested in me, but it didn't seem very practical to suddenly go back to school and maybe get a second bachelor's degree and spend another, you know, two to four years in school and not working and and then try to like get a job after that. So pretty much when I found out about coding boot camps, it seemed like a pretty good way to, you know, achieve this goal of becoming an engineer, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't like you had to forfeit, you know, two or four years or anywhere between that time to get another degree just to be able to do this thing. So it sounds like, and from our pre-interview, you mentioned that you've done a lot of, before each stage that you went on, you've done a lot of research. When you knew you wanted to become a software engineer, what kind of research did you do to decide which bootcamp you wanted to do? And then also like which location you want to be in. You could have been in New York. You could have been in San Francisco. How did you make up that decision? Pretty much like I applied to a lot of boot camps actually and, uh, you know, had admissions into, into many. And these were in different locations. And I seriously considered for a time doing a boot camp in New York. Eventually I decided against- Which boot camp was that? That was a full stack academy. And uh, so it was like the other JavaScript school at the time. And I decided pretty much that I wanted to actually go out to San Francisco in particular, just because I knew that the Bay Area was really like the place to be for tech. And so 
even if I didn't eventually stay there, I sort of figured in my mind that I had to at least come out to the Bay Area and see what this industry was like out here before, you know, even deciding to go back. I just had to experience it, you know? Nice. And while you were uh, deciding on which boot camp, can you compare the interview process for Full Stack or Hack Reactor or any other boot camps that you apply to? Yeah. So the interview process is fairly similar across like many boot camps. Usually there is some sort of process where, you know, you submit some information about yourself and eventually you're going to have typically uh, some kind of interview to let you know whether you can be accepted or not. So in Hack Reactor's case, what they do is they do a, you do an admissions challenge first on their website. And once you pass that, then you can schedule a technical interview. Once you schedule the technical interview, you pretty much can either go in person or you can have like a Skype session. And it's about, lasts about an hour. And they just grill you on all of these uh, advanced technical concepts. And you just hope to God that Mm -hmm. you did well enough to get accepted. But a lot of other schools have a kind of similar thing. So I know App Academy in particular, they do like a number of like technical screens mm-hmm. where you have to get past their problems before being admitted. Other schools that typically have, that don't expect you to be as advanced when you start, you know, might have a less sort of rigorous like tech mm-hmm. screen process, but there usually is like some kind of challenge that you have to figure out at some point in order to gain admission to one of these schools. Interesting. Yeah. So b- before going into how you prepared for those interviews, we talked a little bit about this earlier before this the podcast, but um, no, can you talk a little bit more about how you talked about the, uh, or how you thought about the financing process across yeah. boot camps and how you went about that? So this was very difficult. This was actually one of the biggest hurdles I had into deciding to do this because I knew I wanted to do it. And unfortunately, the, I have the GI Bill through the military, but the GI Bill did not cover any of the financing for these coding boot camps. I think to date, maybe there's only one coding boot camp that even can accept it. And I'm not even totally sure about that. So at the time, it, it pretty much was saying, well, I have to find a way to come up with anywhere between, say, $11,000 and like $18,000 in the case of Hack Reactor. And, uh, you know, that's not an easy thing to come by. A lot of schools, fortunately, have lending partners that they work directly with. At the time, Hack Reactor didn't really have direct like lending partners. So there wasn't any sort of deal that was set up in advance where because I got into Hack Reactor, I could just, you know, borrow this set amount of money and just have that be that. So I had to end up basically, I got a a number of like more than one loan, basically. So I went through more than one provider and basically just tried to explain my situation to, you know, any lender that was willing to hear the story and willing to give me a shot. So So it was was more like the traditional lending partners or can you talk about some of the lending partners that exist now? Most of the financing I got, I actually went through a company called PAVE. And so PAVE is actually one of the, you know, sort of the new type of lenders that is more, they do a lot of loans, I think, to people going to coding boot camps. It's something that they're at least aware of. And so PAVE, I think, is a pretty good platform. I was lucky to go through them. And I also ended up getting a loan from Lending Club as well. Another pretty like well-known peer-to-peer mm-hmm. lending type of network. So Yeah, one of our roommates actually works for Lending Club. So Yeah. And one more thing, like, cause I have three sources now, cause I had to take out a lot of money to do this, to live in San Francisco, basically, while even attending yeah. this program, we finance. So I have to give, give a shout out to them as well. I, uh, it's basically like crowdfunding loans. I got a, uh, got a loan through them as well. And that was, uh, really helpful. So awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So now that you kind of applied to several boot camps, you got offers, what was your decision process like? 
in picking the, the bootcamp that's going to be the best for kind of position you to become a software engineer. Right. So pretty much like the thing that became pretty clear to me when I was doing my research on different sort of boot camps was that there were a few that were more well known at the time than others and highly regarded at that. And so, you know, there were a couple on this list that I was really looking seriously at Hack Reactor, App Academy, Full Stack Academy, you know, Flatiron School. Like there were just a number of these schools that were just considered to be sort of top level. And Hack Reactor in particular stood out to me because I could not find a single negative review at the time about Hack mm-hmm. Reactor. Now, you know, I know that that's changed and I think that happens with time. But at the same time, when I was at least looking into it, it just struck me that so many people had so many positive things to say about it. And I would read these reviews. They were very detailed reviews that you would find on places like Quora or Course Report or, you know, any of these like types of sources where you could do research on this stuff. But the outcomes just pretty much seemed unreal. People were very happy with what they learned, what they were able to do with that information afterwards. They were very happy with the outcome support from Hack Reactor. And so it just seemed like the school that I pretty much knew at some point if I got into Hack Reactor, I was going to go to Hack Reactor. So Nice. So it sounds like you did get into Hack Reactor. You accepted the offer and then you show up there on the first day. What was your initial impression of uh, your classmates, of uh, the, the whole experience? I remember thinking that my classmates were just incredibly brilliant. It's rare to be in an environment where you're surrounded by so many people who are just overwhelmingly smart. To give you an example of this, there was a there was a guy in our class who was 19 at the time. He actually turned 20 during the program. He had done one semester of college and was studying computer science, and he dropped out because, in his words, it was too slow. He felt like everything was just moving like too slow in college, and he just wanted to accelerate that. And he's just brilliant engineer who had already taught himself Haskell, had already had apps in the app store on iOS or like, you know, the uh, iOS like app store, just incredible engineer. And he's going to Hack Reactor, you know, alongside me. And I'm thinking, here's this boy genius. And you know, yeah. I, I barely know what I'm doing. And, how, how, did, <laughs> how did that make you feel? It's very easy to feel a, a sense of imposter syndrome. And I know people sort of talk about this. I think if you look up a lot of blogs about people that go through boot camps. It's a very common theme to feel like there are so many people around me who are so smart and seem to know what they're doing. And I feel like I'm just faking it and I don't really know that much. And so you get this feeling like you start wondering, am I good enough? Am I going to make it? You know, do I really have what it takes? Did they make a mistake in letting me in? I don't know. And so you just start to uh, just keep going through it, I guess. Yeah. And I remember one of the first lectures at Hack Reactor, they specifically covered the imposter syndrome to let everyone know that, hey, this is a natural thing that everyone experiences. You may think that you're the only one who is going through it, but right. in reality, like it's a common phenomena. And I don't think I've ever heard imposter syndrome before actually getting to Hack Reactor. I was just like, I was feeling it, but I, I didn't know what it was called. But then once we uh, discussed it in, in one of our lectures, then after that, it became a lot easier to deal with it. Right. I agree, certainly. That was the interesting part about it. So I know that I went through this in various periods where I would be very unsure about myself and like what I was really doing there and and whether that was like the right decision. But it really helped to know that my other classmates were going through that as well. And so there were a number of classmates in particular who I was closer to and we would talk about these things. and And because I knew that they were going through it, at least I kind of, at least I knew that I wasn't alone. And that really helped me to realize that 
maybe I was doing better than, than I thought I was and which it turned out I was, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I I can definitely relate going through app Academy. It's definitely a humbling experience when you're just, you're always in the process of learning something new, but then you're questioning yourself. Like, am I keeping up with the pace of the program? Even after you graduate, you go out into the job search and then you, you're supposed to call yourself a software engineer, but in the back of your head, you're like, am I actually a software engineer? So you have to kind of fake it till you make it. It sounds like you went through the same process. One thing that I did want to ask you about is your case is very unique because you've gone through basic training in the military and then you've also gone through training at Hack Reactor. So from your experience, do you see any similarities, any differences? Uh, How would you compare the two? Right. I think they're similar. And I, we talked a little bit about this in the, in the pre-interview, but I think they're very similar in the sense that you're focusing on one thing very intensely for a singular period of time mm-hmm. in both cases. So, you know, when you're in boot camp, you're thinking about everything army and, and learning how to be a soldier. And you're just trying to do that and trying to become the best soldier you can be within 10 weeks. And you're just focused on that and only that. And when you're going to Hack Reactor, you know, now you're spending three months where you're just focused on becoming a software engineer. And that's all you really focus on during that time. And so to put people into an environment where you just have a singular point, like a single point of concentration, and you're just focusing on that, it makes it a very similar experience. So Hack Reactor is also very intense in terms of schedule. And I think schedule-wise, there are some similarities, though not Mm -hmm. all the way. (laughs) You know, the military, you get up a lot earlier and you might finish a lot later. But uh, in Hack Reactor, you're going six days a week. You're going from 9 a.m. in the morning to 8 p.m. at night. And those are just the sort of minimum required hours. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you would find people staying a lot later and uh, working till 10, 11, midnight, just because they, they wanted to be there because they were so interested in the problem that they were currently working on. And I think that was actually like the huge difference that I would put between the two. So in basic training, once you're there, you can't really get out. You can't, it's never like you're really choosing to be there at any point. Whereas in Hack Reactor, you know, the people that are staying past like 8 p.m., you're there because you choose to be there. You're there because like you want to be in because you're so engaged in it, which makes it, I think, that much more compelling of an experience, really. That makes a lot of sense. And related to training and things like that, we talk a lot about routines. Were there any routines that you followed to keep yourself mentally fit, physically fit, emotionally fit during the boot camp process uh, to keep yourself sane? Yeah. So uh, Hack Reactor does a, a really good job with this in terms of scheduling. What they do is, and I don't know if they still set this up exactly like this, but what they would do at the time is they would set aside a couple hours every week during the lunch break. So for three days a week, your lunch break would be not the standard hour. It would actually be two hours long. And so during those times, they would encourage you to go work out or take a walk or do sort of anything else other than mm-hmm. being in the school and coding. And that turned out to be really important. And they, they tell you that you should really focus on really make use of that time because it really is like the only time during the day that you have to yourself and, and to, to get yourself fit and to maintain everything. So uh, during that time, at least, I would go and work out pretty much every single time. And I felt like that kept me pretty much okay overall. Yeah. Got it. Got That's it. That's awesome. And so, you know, you finished up the boot camps, you made it, you graduated. How did you approach the job search? Did you, like, how many applications did you set out? Did you deal with any rejection? Yeah, I think everybody deals with rejections. 
the job process, I think, is tough for everyone. And I think that it's tough regardless of the background that you had before coming to a school like Hack Reactor. So it was normal. What I found was interesting is that a lot of people, I think, struggled during the job process. So even if they had had work experience in technical areas before, even if they had worked as you know, a developer or a contractor or something like that, they still had a tough time if they had even studied computer science or had a, you know, engineering background of some sort. I think you just face rejection and that's part of the process in general. So I sent out a total of about 80 applications. And out of that, I ended up with three offers and I did five on-sites out of, you know, those 80. Mm -hmm. So there were certainly a lot of rejections, obviously, within that as well, where people tell you just flat out when you send them the application a flat no they would never consider you or, you know, you might go through like a technical screen or something and then they might decide that you weren't good enough. And so it's definitely an adjustment and it's another humbling experience. So you've already gone through this humbling experience of going through a boot camp, and now you're going through this humbling experience of, you know, trying to actually make it as a software engineer and, you know, realizing that not everyone is going to welcome you with open arms, but you just have to keep plowing ahead anyway. Yeah. So while you were going through the interviews, can you talk a little bit about the specific questions or do you feel like Hack Reactor prepared you for those types of interviews? And then if so, then what are some examples of things that they were asking you that you either already covered before or you had to kind of improvise on the spot? Yeah. So Hack Reactor did a great job of preparing us, I think, for a lot of the technical interviews. Now, there's still a lot of stuff that that is left off the table. And I think there's always going to be if you have a three-month program and you just don't have enough time to learn really everything. So there were some some gaps that I had to fill in during the process where I had to study up on concepts like system design and, you know, study a little bit more about data structures in depth to be able to do better on the technical interviews. But for the most part, they did a really great job at preparing us, not just for conceptually, like how to actually handle these questions, but they did a great job in training us like for how to actually interview What I think a lot of people don't really realize when they're starting this process is that when you actually go for a software engineering job, it's not going to be you just talking about your projects that you did before someone hires you. Typically, you're going to have to do what's called like a whiteboarding interview where an interviewer is going to give you a problem to solve and you're going to go up on a a whiteboard and basically just write out a Mm -hmm. marker what you think a solution would be. And oftentimes you have to end up writing the actual code on the board, you know, for that problem. And you just have to be prepared to be able to solve that problem, but also be able to communicate like with the interviewer. And that's a skill set that is often overlooked. And I think Hack Reactor did this amazing job of preparing us for that particular element. So what they would do is every Thursday, they would have what's called like mock interviews. And so typically you have one group of students that are like the junior students going through at the time, and you have another class that's six weeks ahead. And so they're the seniors of the program. They're about to graduate pretty soon. And the seniors will basically pick out an interview question, typically one of the more typical ones that people tend to be asked, and they will interview you. They will give you the question, and you will just whiteboard it out. And at the end of the session, this is a one-hour thing every Thursday, and then they'll give you feedback on like how you did and what you could do better. And you could just keep scheduling, even in your off time, more like mock interviews. And so pretty much when you get out into the job search process, it's a lot easier to handle that because you've been more prepared for that type of interview, at least. For sure. So tell us about kind of what you're up to now. So you have you ended up joining Amazon Music, right? So tell us yeah. a little bit about kind of what you do day to day and uh, like 
kind of if that's kind of did that accomplish your initial dream of becoming a software engineer? Yeah, it definitely did. I mean, I'm incredibly humbled to have uh, been given the opportunity to work for Amazon as as a software engineer. You know, it, it's just been unbelievable. I definitely it was something that I don't think would have happened without Hack Reactor. So I give Hack Reactor a lot of credit because you know to end up at a company like that to be an engineer to work on something that actually does have impact and that people see every day is is a pretty incredible thing. So right now I'm, I work at Amazon. I work specifically for the Amazon Music web application and I work on basically the front end. So, and by that, I mean pretty much anything that has to deal with anything that the customer actually sees on the, on the website and their actual like interactions with the website itself. I've been there for about three months now and it's been amazing. It's been hard. There've been a, there's a lot to learn. So it's not like you go through you know, a boot camp, or I don't even think, even if you had a degree that you're fully prepared for, you know, going into the first big, like full-time, like engineering job. I mean, it's just something that once you get there, you just realize you have so much to learn. Um, mm-hmm. And that just comes with, you know, years of experience of, of actually doing it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Have you been able to tie, you know, we talked about communications, your experiences with police brutality and yeah. your passion for music. Have you been able to tie all those experiences while you're there, like given all the recent events in the, in the media? Not in my day-to-day engineering job. I mean, you know, that's something that, you know, I certainly, I wish we could talk more about that on a day-to-day basis, but you know, it's not really like the focus for right now. So I haven't really been able to tie in a lot of say like my background experiences into, into what I do on a day-to-day basis. But I think, you know, in terms of how I relate to my coworkers and, you know, what we sort of talk about and, and things like that, you know, obviously my background shapes like who I am. And so that shapes those conversations and, and what we do and don't talk about. Great. So it, it's actually time for the lightning round. And um, <laughs> the lightning round is when Arthur, Ruben, and I will ask you several questions. We're looking for uh, short responses, but we'd love for you to tell us about strategies, tactics, and your resources that you've used to kind of go through the journey of learning how to code, joining the military, just basic life advice. So with that said, Arthur, take it away. Yeah. So if you had to start all over again, imagine you were dropped in a new city and you only had a hundred dollars. <laughs> what would you do? And uh, <laughs> what would I do if I were in a city with only a hundred dollars? And you had to start all over again to get to where you are now. So, well, I think at the very least, I would probably try to see if I had a friend in that city, somebody that I could at least call reach out to and say, hey, I'm in the city. I have nothing going on right now. Can I stay on your couch? Something, you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think I probably would just, um, I would look at what sort of resources, what sort of, not just like obviously buying like food or, or shelter or anything with like $100, but I would look at specifically like what sort of resources I could get with like that money if that could buy me like a book that is going to help me to learn more about a particular skill set. I would probably look at something like mm-hmm. that and like, what can I actually like glean off of that? You know? Yeah. Probably buy like coding book. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Got it. And That's so cool. throughout this process, throughout the struggles that you went through in, in basic training in the military and in the boot camp, was there a specific piece of music or a movie that you watched or a quote that was told to you that helped you get through that? workout routine in the morning when you are like super depressed and feeling like you didn't belong? Oh man. I listen to, obviously I listen to a lot of rap, but, uh, you know, there are like a couple of songs that I always like go to for like my, like for inspiration, just like pump me up. 
this may sound like an unusual list here, but so Jay-Z, he has this one song from a black album called like My First Song. Treat my first like my last, last my last like my, my first. first. It's my life. Yeah. I love yeah. it. <laughs> and so it's this great song about just like staying hungry and and continuing to stay motivated like throughout everything you do because every moment could be the last and you just always want to treat it like the first. And even like your first moments, you always want to treat it like you're just about to like do it for the last time ever, which is amazing. And uh Eminem, he has a couple songs from the uh eight mile soundtrack in particular. So not just like lose yourself, but like eight mile road and uh Rabbit Run, I believe it's called. Just, you know, incredible songs that can just like pump you up right in that moment. Awesome. Great. So the next question is, um, if um, you had to give advice to someone who is about to start on this journey, and let's say like the coding journey, what is one piece of advice that you would want them to know now that you've gone through the process? I would definitely want to emphasize that it takes a longer time than I think people will sort of acknowledge. It's definitely not an easy process. And, you know, if you find yourself questioning whether like you're good enough, don't worry about that. Really just like the thing to worry about is like whether you have the will to keep going. And so if you're motivated and you like it enough, keep going because there are going to be plenty of roadblocks. There are going to be plenty of times when you're trying to figure out some sort of code or some concept and it just seems impossible to figure out. And you wonder if you're ever going to be good enough. But if you keep putting your head down and, and you just stick with the problem. Eventually, what I've always found out is that you'll figure it out and then you'll get a little bit better and then you'll move on to the next thing. Even when somebody tells you no, that they don't think you're ready to be a software engineer, they don't think you're good mm-hmm. enough. Okay, let me go back to the drawing board. Let me like study a couple more problems and let me prepare for the next technical interview. So it's pretty much just a game of perseverance. Yeah, and I think just to add to what you just said, Whenever you get rejection during the job search or uh, when you're trying to kind of put yourself out there as a software engineer, a lot of the time, the rejection, it's not a reflection of like you never being an engineer. It's just a sign that maybe you haven't like grasped certain concepts well enough, but it doesn't mean that you can go back to the drawing board and get good at those concepts and kind of keep going further, right? Right. So I think that's a very important piece uh, of information that you can get better. You just have to realize what are your weak spots and get better at that. Right, exactly. It's just a a process of continuously picking up information. So even when you get the job, you're still going to be learning Mm -hmm. an insane amount of information every single day. And so it never really stops. You're always going to be learning and you're always going to hit roadblocks and frustrations and it's just always going to be there, but it's worth it. And so just have to keep going. Yeah, for sure. So what is one thing that you fundamentally believed in that you changed your mind on going through this process? I don't know if there was anything that I completely changed my mind on as I was going through the process. I think pretty much I thought, you know, no matter what happens in this journey, like I'm going to finish, you know, like I thought to myself, I'm going to finish Hack Reactor. I'm going to see where this takes me. I'm going to, you know, try to find a job in the Bay Area and, you know, hopefully, everything just uh, works out. I don't know if there was, I mean, I certainly questioned a lot of things. As I mentioned, just it's very easy to feel imposter syndrome at different times and, and get caught up in that and just think that maybe I should go do something else. But, you know, at the end of the day, I would always like come back to this thought that this is what I wanted to be doing. And I never really, I guess, like changed my mind fundamentally about yeah. what I believed about something. Yeah. And the last question, can you share any online resources that you took that helped you prepare to get into these programs? Absolutely. So Code Academy is great. 
that's such a great source for at least learning a lot of the initial syntax of a language and then learning some initial concepts for a lot of uh, languages and just like the initial steps of putting together an application. Code School is also great for doing a a number of different courses and diving a little bit deeper into certain concepts. Mm -hmm. So I use Code School, Code Academy, CoderBite to practice problems. These days, I would probably recommend LeetCode as well. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great resource for just practicing problems, especially when you're getting ready to go on software engineering interviews and definitely practicing problems on that site helps a lot. Let's see. I'm missing one other thing here. So Code School, Code Academy, CoderBite, Code Wars. That's another big one too. So that's that's cool. Yeah, nice. we'll include it in the show notes. And so for our listeners, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, people can obviously like look me up. Feel free to send me requests on, on Facebook, I suppose. So my name is Edgar Pabone. You can also feel free to send me an email, especially if you have questions about, you know, if you're thinking about doing a coding bootcamp and trying to become an engineer in particular, definitely reach out. I'm always willing to talk about that process and, you know, give any sort of advice that I can. My email is edgar.pabon, that's P-A-B-O-N, at uh, gmail.com. So nice. feel free to reach out. Yeah. Awesome. So cool. We'll include that in the show notes. And thanks for spending time with us. Yeah. yeah thank thanks, you for having man. man. Appreciate it. Yeah. We're going to have to have you on again in a few <laughs> months. Thanks. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in. Let's break in.